Hey everybody, welcome back for another juicy episode of the Skeleton Crew. Guess who it is? I'll give you a hint, it's not Jason Statham, it's me, Noah. Look, before we get into it, make sure you're telling all of your friends about the show, and also, if you're not listening to it already, make sure you're listening to Riftwalkers for more thrills, chills, and kills. We got them all. Anyway, here's the Skeleton Crew. During their brief detour on the world of Coruscant, after securing a ship for the future and a brief stop at one of Wes's apartments to tidy up, they went to a more secluded sector of the planet where Wes seemingly conducted his business. As the group settled in for a small meeting, something went awry outside as Wes's employer... The Watcher came calling. Now, as you are all in this office space, inside Wes's office is still lit. It is just the lot of you. Outside, however, you can see is pitch black. The lights have been shut off or disabled. One seems to be flickering near the corner, and you can see the, the outside office space a little, a little bit through that, but honestly not much. And you do hear hulking like metal footsteps slowly reverberating closer and closer so you're talking about the watcher wes as in you know that mastermind who literally sees all and knows all and basically some conspiracy theorists see where tinfoil hats say controls the entire galaxy himself is that the man you're talking about or person or creature or wookie or whatever no, it's more of a man who pays certain people to learn things, who's paid by certain other people to share things. Right, right. But is, are the rumors about this person, or is this a different Watcher? It's the same Watcher, without a doubt. Uh, probably about 60% of the rumors are false. Yeah, I'd, I'd say around 60%. He's influential, there is no doubt. As these hulking footsteps grow louder and louder and you see a like an eight foot four inch figure rounds the corner and it's just this massive broad shouldered hulking thing shadow that walks toward the door. And as it reaches the door, placing one hand above on the frame and then leans down, barely poking its face inside, which you see is just this mass of flesh and scars these two beady eyes and the this huge mouth of razor sharp teeth its head like filled in on a kind of a bucket looking helmet obviously a lot of cybernetic attachments here and it just says the watcher would like to see mr pantier immediately well wes it was nice knowing you <laughs> wes turning towards this figure just says can i assume that my friends are not invited they will come, or as they have seen me, they must die. Well, then I guess we'll all be coming. 
All right, then. He turns to this being says, just a moment. He runs back quickly to his desk. You see him sign a couple last pages, and he writes a short note, signs it at the bottom. And he says, I think we're ready. Shall we? And he just kind of points for everyone to leave. Very well. And while that's all happening, Papa turns to Skoga and is like, hey, hey, Skoga, do you think you could take that guy if I helped? Or do we have to submit to this buffoon? I mean, maybe we could take him. I feel like we've taken worse things. But I kind of want to see where this plays out. Like, I didn't even know that Wes had a day job. So I'm kind of interested to see, like, what Solomon Grundy over here is all about. (laughs) (laughs) Nice reference. That was a really good reference. Apparently Skoga reads DC Comics. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Huge fan. As we are walking out, Trek kind of whispers just to Gordax, like, hey, did you hear that? He referred to me as his friend. I think you're growing on him, Trek. Although I'll admit, I still don't really know who you are. And Gordax turns and kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I will give you this, Trek. You did successfully negotiate a better deal than our friend Skoga could with somebody he knew and you didn't. That is impressive. You've gained one point in my book. Now, as you are following this figure, it comes to the front of the office space and just points to a a part of it where he's cleared like a circle. Like he's moved desks and cubicles and chairs and cabinets aside and just points like, stand in circle. I believe everyone does so. Yeah, uh, Yeah. we, we all follow directions. Hold hands or something? <laughs> Unnecessary. <laughs> and then he pulls out this little thing from his belt, uh, which looks like the detonator for a series of explosives. And he clicks the trigger. And you hear little pops underneath your feet as you see sparks blow up in a ring around you at the uh, you know circumference of this circle that you're standing in. And then the platform just gives way underneath your feet. And you fall down to the next level. And then you hear another pop, 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 and you go again and again and again, progressively going down this uh, elevator that this being has made. About a hundred floors, all through darkened offices. You go through one final floor, and you're like holding on for dear life at the edges of this, this platform. And it falls a good five stories now through a large, dark warehouse-like space, and you just crash into the ground. Uh, getting at least the breath knocked out of you all. I think I'm going to give everyone two strain from the experience. Sure. And then you just hear this echoing voice from up above. You just hear, Coming down. Move. Gordax immediately moves. Yeah, Wes rolls out of the way. And then this hulking figure you see kind of obscures the light at the top of these levels and then just drops makes its way down and just splats right into the ground on top of the platform and as like its body parts and metal armor just like clang across the ground and skid to stop. So it just dropped it just jumped down like a hundred stories? Yeah and then splattered at your feet. Wait splattered like is it still okay? Doesn't look it. Um, Oh. It's in a lot of pieces. I hope so. I imagine so. The Watcher isn't very wasteful. And on cue, the strands of muscle and bundles of nerves and bits and pieces of armor just like cling and clang and twist and pull together 
forming once again this hulking humanoid that readjusts its plates and pieces and then fully formed once again looks at you all and says follow and starts tromping off in a direction track is disturbed that's that's a spectacle Papa whispers to Skoga, I don't think we could have taken him, because even if we chopped him up, it seems that he would put himself right back together. Yeah, I think you're right. I haven't seen that one before. Hey, you learn something new every day. Wes uh, turns to them both, because this is, this is the first time he realized they were talking about fighting him. He didn't realize it before, and he just turns to both Papa and Skoga and says, yes, I, I greatly implore from you restraint. All of my interactions with the Watcher have ended well. And I have never decided to test his physical might. So if we could keep this record going, I would be greatly pleased. Can someone fill me in? Who's the Watcher? Um, I, I don't know exactly. I'm getting the sense it's kind of like a peeping Tom or something. So <laughs> He's some underworld giant. He essentially controls a large portion of informational underworld. He's extremely elusive, and I'm pretty sure nobody has ever seen his face and lived, if the rumors are to be true. The 40% of arbitrary numbered rumors, of course. The further you go, the darker it gets, and for those who can't see in the dark, it's harder to see, since honestly, the only source of light here is the, you know, hole in the ceiling a ways back where you fell through and the slight glow of some of these cybernetic components on this monstrous figure in front of you. Wes, I'm going to put one of my arms on your shoulder to follow you, but that's purely because I can't see. How about I just activate with a flashlight, and then I activate the flashlight on my wrist and aim it forward? Ah, and Kordax kind of quickly pulls his hand off of Wes. Yes, yes, and because there's like a faint dirt spot where his hand was from the tumbling down. <clears throat> yes, thank you, Papo. What do we see in Papo's torchlight? Honestly, just metal bulkhead floors. You can't see far enough to the edges of this room. And then the figure in front of you that just clank, clonk, clank, clunk steps along rather uh, lackadaisically. As time passes, maybe just a few minutes, you eventually do see a wall take shape in front of you and a door. The being puts its palm onto a scanner, it scans it, and then the door opens, and you are just blinded by this immense blue and purple light and club music. As you enter this, you are on the upper balcony of a very opulent, you know, nightclub. There are, there's a huge dance floor below you, there are tiers filled with tables and there are servers going around there are plenty of high society looking folk here lots of drinks flowing and as this creature enters behind you and shuts the door which as you look at this side of it it looks like it's just a seamless wall when the door shuts behind you and he looks at the, the lot of you again and says follow do not fall behind and starts blonk, 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 going through the club, like rattling glasses and tables as he goes by. Wes, do you know this fellow? It's quite odd to me that we just dropped what had to have been a hundred stories or so 
into a large room and came out on top of this club. I guess what I can tell you right now, about 10 years ago, I found myself with some very unique and useful information. I needed a bit of capital at that moment to take advantage of that information. I asked my good friend, the Watcher here, for a small loan and have since made quite a pretty sum, though I may have neglected to reimburse my friend for that investment. If I had to hazard a guess, I would say the giant cybernetic organic mm, monstrosity in front of us has come from the Watcher. And he is probably at least a little bit miffed that I have decided not to pay him. And instead, you spent all his money on top of high-rise penthouses and tailored suits for everyone you know. No, I mean, that's a uh, uh, pocket change. How much money? You know what? Never mind. Never mind. We'll, we'll, find, we'll figure this out. And Gorax kind of falls back behind. Oh, uh, there is no doubt that he is not the kind of person you want to owe things to. However, there are a couple of perks to owing him money. Though, unfortunately, I do not think this experience will be the proper demonstration of those perks. There are perks to owing somebody money? <laughs> I was going to say, tell me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. We get to see the Solomon Grundy creature. No, 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 no. Whenever you owe someone money, you can always find that person because they're always going to want their money. So if you happen to owe money to a guy who knows everything, not the worst thing in the world. You can always find the guy who knows everything. <laughs> As you make your way down through the club from the top level, which is around four or five levels up, down to the bottom level, making your way across this crowded dance floor, this creature just suddenly stops in the middle and then holds a pair of fingers to one of its, well, the side of its head, and it grunts something. And then it turns to Wes, who is, you know, leading this line behind it, and it says, Plans change. Watcher wants debt now. Oof. I'm afraid to tell you, my friend, I'm not very liquid. Particularly not to the tune of Fort Trillium. Watcher assumed so. Watcher will take your body instead. Now, please, be reasonable. Both you and I, and quite frankly... The Watcher knows that my body... And then he punches you. Wes gets smacked hard. And I'm talking, like, thrown across whatever part of the room is empty. I don't... Have we passed the dance floor, or was Wes just punched straight into a bunch of dancing people? You're right. You're right in the middle of the dance floor. So you are punched into people, into uh, Skoga, Gordax, Track, Popo, and, you know, countless other people who are dancing and clubbing. Um, yeah, so I'm, Wes gets smashed super hard. Um, I can take wounds if you want, Ryan. I... Actually, you're going to take eight strain because you got punched with some energy gauntlets. Alrighty. So Wes is not looking very good. He's still conscious, but not by much. Um, I really don't think this is necessary. Unfortunately, it is. And then he pulls out a blaster rifle from its back. Wes, staring down the blaster rifle, just says, if you kill me, the Watcher will never get paid. Money 
no longer issue. Very well. It's yours to throw away, I guess. Wait, if the money's no longer an issue, then, you know, <laughs> I feel like uh, I feel like all debts are paid. You can just let him off the hook. No words twisted, stupid lizard. Money always issue. <laughs> then if I, if I may, Gordak says, kind of putting himself between the blaster and Wes. Very intimidating, robotic one. Um, what? Wes here meant to say is he can get you all the money for the debt paid in due time, in due time being within the week. You see, there is a massive deal, which I'm sure the Watcher would have very useful intel to gain from as well. But again, again, that's all dependent upon our friend Wes here remaining alive to gain this information and said funds. Watcher aware of deal. Watcher has already contacted Dr. Nataris. Wes stands up once again and he just says, can I assume you're speaking with the Watcher now? Always. Excellent. Could you communicate on for me the basis of our relationship has always been information and I would like to share some. You have one minute. While, while that's going on, just very quickly, Skoga leans over to Papo and says, Can you do a scan of this guy and see, like, if he's all robot or he has, like, some sort of memory bank in his head or something? Ooh, and then I could access it. Yes, let me check. Would you like me to roll Ryan? Easy mechanics. Uh, and, uh, c- c- if it scans, it's computer. Easy computer. Two success and three advantage. The majority of this being is not cybernetic. In fact, the only cybernetic parts are the armor that is sort of making up a shell. The biological components, however, are quite strange to you as it doesn't seem to have anything inside it. It's just muscle and nerve. There's no heart. There's no lungs. There's no gastrointestinal systems of any sort. Well, can I... Do what does my scan reveal a possibility that I could hack into his armor and cause it to short circuit and either fall off or to cause him harm in any way? No, no it, the armor seems to be just metal. It's just metal that is being held on to these strands of muscle and nerve by the strands of muscle and nerve. Are there any cybernetic components that I can hack into? Just the comm device. All right, so then he turns to Skogan and says, You know what? I assume that this thing is basically raw instinct. It's just muscle, bone, sinew, and nerves. It, it doesn't have, well, a soul? It doesn't have a mind? It doesn't think? I'm pretty sure it's being controlled remotely. I'm going to attempt to hack into that comm device and disable the control. But if that doesn't work, we've got ourselves a problem here. Oh, that's a good idea. I'll do that first. Or at least trace where it's coming from, if you can. All right, as Papo does that, Wes has 60 seconds. Go. As I'm sure you and your sponsor are aware, there is a race of force-sensitive beings that once dominated this galaxy. Though they only lost their empire because they lost their connection to the force. However... A certain group of them, which we have recently met, have suddenly regained that connection. 
And while a small community was destroyed, there's no knowing what could have happened on that planet and how many other of these Rakata could actually have restored their connection to a force. Indubitably, this will be a very, very large influence in the galaxy, and knowledge of where they're at and who they are could be valuable to the right person, uh, particularly to other Force users who favor the darker side of the Force. After about five seconds of silence, the club music crackles and shrieks and comes to a stop. You hear a bunch of disappointed groans and growls throughout the club and then over the PA system you hear a heavily distorted voice just say really Wences that's it you think I don't know about Ricotta Prime aka Lahan the Ricotta are dead and gone as far as I'm concerned and I'd like to keep them that way so unless you found a second Starforge I think you could take that information and shove it right up where the sun doesn't shine we're finding a second Starforge right now, but you've already talked to Dr. Drell. What more do you want from me? It's hard to give something to a man who already has everything. Have you ever tried buying a present for you? Christmas is a nightmare. Dr. Drell is being elusive, if I am to be quite honest with you. I've been working with him for the last six months. What do you want me to do? I'm about to find this stupid thing. There's no such person as Dr. Drell. I've just confirmed it with my sources. So unless you're going to carry on with this lie, I think it's time we just settle this once and forever, and I wipe you from this galaxy and clear you of all your debts. All right, I'm going to be honest with you. Maybe the man with whom I have been working is not, in fact, Dr. Drell. However, he is a man, and he is finding something, and it could be a Starforge. Now, you very well could wipe me from the galaxy and completely annihilate me, and honestly, probably about 90% of the galaxy would appreciate it. However, I find your desire to avoid waste, something admirable, and something I've sought to really represent through my own business interests. So if you would allow me to continue doing what I decided to do to try to help you, as you asked me to five years ago, maybe I can find you another Starforge. Well, as you know, I quite despise waste of time and space and money, and seeing as you are the largest deficit of all three of those things within my organization, this matter is concluded. And then with a crackle and a pop, the intercom turns off, the club music fades back up, people get grooving again over the bar, and this big creature just you know, removes its hand from its communicator and says, Time to die. Alright, what it was uh, Papo trying to do? So... Uh, just tell me what the difficulty is to hack into the only cybernetic device there and trace its signal. That'll be three. All right, three successes and a threat. You know exactly where that transmission came from, and it's honestly not far away. It's like a couple levels down and a few hundred meters north. However, you're intimately aware that this trace goes both ways. And it's quite difficult right now at least to purge said trace from your system great well i disconnect and draw my sword all right everyone roll initiative that will be cool two successes two advantage one success two advantage Cornex got three successes one advantage skuga got a success 
track got two successes and an advantage. So your big hulking friend here got four successes for advantage, so it will go first. Mr. Wes, it is going to shoot some bolas at you. So these bolas whip out uh, at Wes, and you are going to take six damage. You will be knocked prone, and you are now immobilized and snared for three rounds. Okay. You can make a hard athletics check on your turn to break free if you want. Statistically unlikely to succeed. And then with the rest of this thing's turn, it will move over to Wes. So it's now like pretty squarely right in the middle of you all. And it's players' turns. You are going to upgrade your difficulty checks against this character by three. And you have two disadvantage because of defenses. All right, so Popo's going to go first. He takes his sword, and he got a triumph and two advantage. I'm going to crit then. Oh, well, and how much damage did you do? I do seven damage. So you do zero damage, and your crit doesn't apply. Why? Because it has eight soak. Oh, because the crit has to... Oh, dang it. I think Wes had the right idea. So What, what was Wes doing? Running away. <laughs> <laughs> Now that I know where the other guy is, I just run towards the Watcher, actually, and kill him. Yeah, you guys do that. Skoga will keep this fool occupied with his sword. Skoga's pulling out his sword. Let's go ahead and roll this bad boy up. I got three successes and an advantage. This is going to deal 13 damage. All right, so then you inflict five wounds. And I've got an advantage, which means I can crit. Yeah. Temporarily lame. Until this critical injury is healed, the target cannot perform more than one maneuver during his turn. That is an excellent time to run away. All right, Skoga's turn is done. He's going to uh, position himself in such a way that the others can, like, run around behind him towards wherever they're going. Papo's right next to him. Wes is going to try to use his sting beam, which is attached to his hand, to shoot the bola off of his feet, because he will not succeed at a athletics check. I'll allow it. That's going to be four difficulty, though. Yeah, the other one was five, so one success, one threat. All right, that was your action. Just true. You can spend a maneuver to get up. I will spend a maneuver to stand up. You could spend strain to get another maneuver and run away. I cannot spend strain to get another maneuver and run away because I am already at my penultimate strain. And if I did that, I would pass out. All right, then Wes has stood up. Who's next? You got Gordax and Trek. Uh, you know what? I'm going to try to pivot around behind this guy. And I'm going to strike at its leg with my right control baton. Nice. Uh, okay, two successes somehow. Uh, and four threats. So seven damage. You are unable to inflict any wounds at this time. Yeah, so probably took it up, huh? Gordax is not currently engaged with this guy, right? No, it's like when he moved over to Wes, he moved right into the middle of you all. So you're you're not like sparring with him, but you're in engaged range. Um, how close is the door that we would need to go out to? Three range bands. Uh, I guess looking around, Gordak is going to see if there's any potential alternative exits. Not in the direction that Popo's indicated. There's also masses of people who don't seem to mind that you're getting beat up in the middle of the dance floor. Yeah, he he doesn't mind that there's masses of people here, so Gordax is going to just... Mow him down! <laughs> pulls out his They don't call him just... the Butcher of Boodle Bay for nothing. <laughs> Not they quite. Call him that. Oh, Butcher Boodle Bay, Butcher Balthar. It's the same thing. 
Balthazar. <laughs> this wasn't that either. If Balasar, thank you very much. Oh, Balasar, <laughs> Balasar, it's the same thing. Do you even know your companions? <laughs> Seeing that Popo and Skoga hopefully have this pretty well handled, Gordax is going to attempt to flee with Wes to give him any assistance on trouble he may run into on his way. So he's going to just head in that direction. He gets uh, two move maneuvers because he gets a another maneuver due to his Vesilisk nature. So he's going to move twice towards that direction and then for his uh, action, yeah, he's going to pop a shot off at the guy. You know, what the heck. I uh, Well, because of the throngs and the crowds, if you want to move too, you'll have to spend your action to actively get them out of the way. That's fine. Then he'll do that and just shove his way through. All right. The creature where Skoga hit it you see that its flesh that you cut into just like whips back together and is completely healed as it regenerates six wounds. Okay. And then it turns towards Skoga and it says, puny lizard. And it drops its rifle and pulls out this spiked flail that kind of extends from its arm. And it swings it at you. Can it do that? That's two actions. What what what's what what are you talking about? What's two actions? The healing. Healing healing is at the end of each round. It whether it went last or first or in the middle. So it's an ability. Oh my gosh! Okay. <laughs> you got you guys literally kill Rancors in one hit and something that doesn't die immediately you start complaining about. What a bunch of babies. <laughs> I just, I just think it's hilarious. It's like, my sword didn't kill it in one hit. This game is rigged. <laughs> He's using mods. Oh my He's gosh! Somebody mods. get him out of here. <laughs> All right, let me roll this. Does Koga have any defenses? No. All right, then that is four success, three advantage. So that is. 10 damage minus two soak. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to spend those three to crit. All right. As Skoga is then whacked with this flail, you also suffer this like stinger of an injury and your next check will uh, also be increased in difficulty. All right. Wes is going to move uh, two maneuvers in the direction that Popo indicated as to where the origin of this transmission is. So... You'll move one unless you choose to use an action to push people aside. Okay, then I will use my entire turn to move that maneuver's distance then to get... So you make it to where Gordax is. Yes. And then since Gordax's turn will be fairly short as well, uh, he might as well go. Gordax, you know, seeing West trailing, he's going to continue to push. He's already moved two of these movements worth, so you said it's just one more till I get to the door. So... Gordax is going to uh, move, and on his action, can I make that more of a uh, a check of some sort, whether Braun, because he's going to be trying to like actively push people far enough out of the way so that Wes can get through unimpeded. Uh, yeah, let's do a three difficulty Braun check with a setback, because there's so many people, and the music and they're is just, just raging. Poop. All right, Gordax got one threat on his attempt to clear a path. All right, you aren't able to clear a path. In fact, you make it a little more difficult as your jostling and arm waving really incites the crowd around you <laughs> to get hopping and bopping even more vigorously. So Popo jumps at the guy. And he wants to 
try again, help Skoga maybe bring him down in one turn. You know, if he can inflict enough damage, Skoga can do the rest. So, ooh, yes. Oh, no. All right. So six success, three threats, and one despair. I inflict 13 wounds onto this guy. So uh, five wounds. With three threats and one despair, Popo, as your sword embeds itself into this hulking beast, you know, finding a weak spot between its armor and going right into its flesh and nerve and muscle, you see these bands of sinew just like lash out and wrap around your blade and start pulling it inside its body. And so you're going to be playing a little tug of war for your sword for, uh, until you get it out of it. Skoga's trying to eat my sword. You better kill it before it eats it. I kind of like this sword, you know? Ryan, is there, like, live DJ, a band? Is this all, like, a recording? Like, No, there seems to be a live DJ. How far away is the DJ stand from us? Two range bands. Okay. Uh, I want to try to get there as fast as possible. Can I make it that in this round? Yes, you can make it. You'd have to spend some strain, though. Okay, I can do that. How much strain do I get to get up there? And I, I want to try to uh, get my hands on the mic. You, you get your hands on the mic, then. With You'll take an extra two. All right, I get the mic up, and I said, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a bonus game today. Uh, we have set a giant metal pinata out there on the dance floor. First one to break it open gets a million credits, and I'm going to do a deception. (laughs) (laughs) Solid plan. I like it. That's going to be four difficulty. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Thankfully, I am very trained in deception, Uh, and so um, I rolled four successes in a throw. Yes! Never trust a Bothan, ladies and gentlemen. All right. As, as the crowd on the main dance floor gets super hyped, seeing that there's now this big metal pinata in the middle of the room, they start running forward and they're punching at this creature, and they're also, because of that threat, punching at Popo. Oh, no. But they are doing both. <laughs> they are doing both. And it's like it's like people's fists against solid steel so it's <laughs> and they're like dancing and, and, and papa's just like no not me you idiots this big hulking thing attached to me no stop it the small one is only 50 credits the big one's a million <laughs> <laughs> i like how you didn't take away the price you still get credits <laughs> just for reading up papa until he explodes just less flipping one of these destiny points that we have Skoga looks around, he sees the crowd swarming Popo and this big hulking thing, and he's like, this is perfect, I've always wanted to try one of these. And he reaches around, and he pulls out like a smoke grenade, and he lights it off, and he drops it at his feet, and just a billowing cloud of smoke starts obscuring everything, and he... And just adds to the pandemonium, and he is now going to try to grab Popo and slip away from this creature in the midst of all this chaos. All right, so you use your action to activate the grenade. Yeah. Can I spend uh, like like a strain or something to try to move Popo with me? Two strain. Okay, I'll do it. The classic, the classic. Everybody's fighting, and the big smoke cloud is there, and then we just like crawl out the side. <laughs> the, the caveat to this is, Papa will have to release his sword. And on my turn later, I'll, you can choose to do it now, and you will lose your sword. I choose to do it. I relinquish my sword to the beast and allow Skoga to drag me away. All right, so you move 
one range band away from it then. Actually, with these crowds, you'll have to spend more strength <laughs> to get through it. No, it's fine. It's fine. I'll spend, man, I'll spend like two more strain. I don't care. Boom. All right. Then you move one range band away from the creature. It has swallowed Popo's sword. The crowd is kind of punching you and Popo as you go. They're punching this creature that then just screams in anger. 